Sunny 16 presents. episode of the music and photography podcast i'm billy Stafford, and today my super special guest is jess jones jess how are you doing i'm doing great super stoked to be here thank you <laughs> thank you so much for taking some time so in your tenure as a coco captain on the negative positives podcast you drop all of these little uh, interesting nuggets about your background and, and I've always <laughs> got follow-up questions but uh, of course the conversation usually goes somewhere else so I've really been looking forward to, <laughs> to following up on some of those and one of those was about archaeology so we were just talking a little bit before we started recording that this was your uh, subject matter that you studied in school right? Yep yep that's right it might not do anything for me in the future, but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And it's super interesting. But at the same time you were studying that, you also did an independent study related to photography or was it art or how did that work? I did. I was allowed to have some spare credits outside of my chosen degree. And my friend had told me that there was a pretty cool photo department across the lab from mine. And she recommended I go check it out. And I looked online, of course, and they didn't let non-photography majors sign up for a lot of these classes. So I just started showing up. I found where some of them were posted and I just started showing up at the beginning of the semester. and. At first, the teacher told me that I couldn't sign up for the class because I wasn't a major in the photo department. Because even if you did a minor, most of those specialized film classes were only for the major. So I just kept coming every morning. And he said, if someone drops out and if you keep coming to the class, then I'll let you in. And that's what I did. I was first to arrive every morning <laughs> just because I was so excited to be there. And that first class was a an alternative photo processes class and mm -hmm. he was like you know what you're the only one that seems that interested in it and so he let me in and I couldn't register it as an actual class so he kind of bent the rules and let me do it as a direct independent study so it's just kind of miscellaneous credits I was getting and then he continued that for all of his other courses so I kind of lucked out that they wanted me in there. So that was pretty cool. And I'm so fortunate yeah. to have gotten the opportunity because I don't think some of those classes are even offered today. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that does 
that that did work out well. So you didn't have any yeah. set curriculum. It was just just whatever classes he happened yeah. to be teaching. Is that how it worked? Yeah, kind of. And so he was just really interested in he was one of the there were only a few photography professors and he in particular really loved the film aspect of everything. And they had a whole dark room that the digital photographers just had to take at least a course in to continue their digital photography studies. And luckily this teacher, Christopher Trice, it was at University of North Florida. If anyone ever, I don't think anyone from there might be listening, but if anyone (laughs) ever has the opportunity to take one of his courses, I highly recommend it if they're still offering it. But he let me just continue any kind of like wild class he decides to make up for the semester he let me sign up for. So I was really fortunate to be able to do that and to use the dark room because I wasn't supposed to be, but he let it slide. I couldn't even tell anybody that's what I was doing. So <laughs> he let it slide just so I could be there. And I, I was so thankful for that. Okay. To that point, what was your photography? Had you already started? being creative and experimenting and stuff like that? Or was it more like vacation photos and snapshots and that sort of thing? It was, it was all experimenting because it wasn't even until I took the first course that I even understood what the ISO numbers meant on the rolls or the box because my first film camera was the Polaroid LAN camera, the 100. So Fuji FP100C and 3000B were my very first film shots. And I didn't understand why the black and white was so blown out outside. I didn't understand why the color was so blurry inside because I didn't realize that those numbers on the box meant anything. But the film was so cheap back then or inexpensive, I should say, that I didn't mind blowing all those shots. And I had good shots and I had bad shots and I just probably shot hundreds of those boxes without even realizing what I was doing. And then I got a an Olympus OM-1 in, and that was my first regular like 35 millimeter camera. And that's what I used for just regular darkroom course at the university. And so I had played around with it, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I was really <laughs> excited to finally learn. Right. And the internet was prevalent back there. And I had little forums that would I would get on, but I was kind of just shooting and praying without <laughs> any reference. Just dropping my film off at Walgreens. Right. And that was it. That was it. Okay. So then you do this independent study and you start to learn new things and get into different things. What all did you get to play around with and learn while you were going uh, through that process? Well, in the alternative class, he we started with the basics of just the regular 35 millimeter camera, and then we got to play around with a lot of stuff. They had one of the, um, what was it called? This zero image pinhole women cameras. So I got to use one of those. They had all these little gadgets that I could just borrow from the school. So that was pretty cool. He wanted us to build our own camera. So we did that. We did a lot of kind of not really, not necessarily camera stuff, but some positive paperwork as well. So that was awesome. Just 
gosh, everything we did was so incredibly helpful in just learning about all the stuff that I wanted to do and I wanted to play with. And I was really fortunate just to be able to do all that. Right. Just everything under the sun. I unfortunately didn't get to take the course. The courses where they did, they did stuff like lumen prints and things like that. And I didn't get to take that course. So that one I couldn't get into, but maybe one day I'll figure it out. I know right. there's other people that we've had on the other podcasts that do those. And I just, I haven't done it yet, but I will. Right. Okay. <laughs> so overall, this program propelled your interest in photography exponentially, I guess, or? It sure did. Yeah. It kind of fueled the fire, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. In preparing and looking at your Instagram feed, if you go back to like your maybe fourth or fifth picture <laughs> that you ever posted <laughs> is, uh, since this is a music and photography podcast, uh, pictures that you took at a Volcano Choir concert. Is that right? Yeah. And you yeah. gave a shout out to Justin Vernon in that post. Yeah. So what was yeah. that experience? That was back in the early Instagram days where you could really get in touch with a lot of people way more popular than you are and they could talk back to you. And I don't know how, but somehow Justin Vernon and I and my other friend just became kind of friends on there for a while and we would just chat back and forth every day and he really liked that she was a painter and she, he loved her work and he loved the kind of just different photography stuff I was doing so they were on tour and Justin Vernon for people that don't know he's the lead singer from Bon Iver and many other the other side bands that he's had over the years but Volcano Choir was one of his side bands that he had a couple albums with and they were on tour and he was having an LA tour so he offered for me to come shoot it and I was I was in over my head because I'd never shot a show before other than just kind of tinkering around at local local shows but I asked for some advice from my classmates and the teachers at the school and was able to fly out to LA and I took my sister with me for her birthday and we went and got to see the Volcano Choir show and it had like a, a photo pass for me and everything and I got to be in the little part up front right in front of the bands that they let you right. in for certain songs and stuff to shoot and I was the only person there with a film camera and everyone else had their big cannons or Nikons. These right crazy lenses shooting and then here I was just with my little Olympus just shooting away <laughs> having no idea what I was doing at all and I I wasn't self-developing at the time so when I dropped those off to the local photo lab in Jacksonville I was so nervous oh, that I just had a bunch of duds or that I just I didn't meter correctly I had a little meter inside my camera and that's all at the time when it worked, it probably only worked for six months. And luckily it was during that time because I didn't have a, a handheld meter or anything like that. And I was so fortunate that it all came out because I think I, I pushed an 800 film to 1600 and I pulled a 3200 film to 1600. 
And I was so fortunate that I had images on there. I just, oof, when I got those back, I was incredibly nervous, but it was an awesome experience. And I can't believe that I got to do that. And he just paid it forward for no reason at all, just to another artist trying to do something just right. incredibly kind and thoughtful. And, and I'll remember that for the rest of my life. I almost feel like I've peaked and that was like 10 years ago <laughs> and I'll never have that experience ever again, but I'll remember it forever. It was pretty incredible. I'll bet. I can imagine. And, and being at the point that you were at to have someone kind of give you that boost and confidence yeah. helped, uh, I would imagine. Also. It, it did. Yeah. And he offered for me to follow the band on the rest of the tour to keep shooting and I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was trying to finish my degree for this final time. And I said, I'm so sorry. I have to go back to school and finish archaeology and finish the photo stuff because I wanted to finish something for the first time in my life. Looking back, I'm like, I should have just put that crap off because I should have just done it. But I don't know. I just wanted to like finish something for the first time in my life. So. I don't know why I'm just, it was silly. I don't regret it, but I don't know why I didn't. I guess some things just feel too good to be true and I didn't want to milk it for more than I had already gotten. So, but it was an incredible experience. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, I I haven't done a ton of that myself, but uh, all but one of those times has been digital. So film, film is very tricky. I would imagine even for someone who has done it, a good bit so that's awesome that you got some stuff you locked out of it yeah it was wild and I, I feel like nowadays you know people are doing that all over they're just shooting concerts with film it's the, it's the thing now so it's so common and people right. probably just do it with ease but 10 years ago when I did that whew, that was scary <laughs> but I did it I did it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was pretty cool that's right. And it make you know, it makes sense. I would imagine any concert photos from the 20th century were taken on film, right? And probably some of them even slide film, which would yeah. be even trickier, I'd have to guess. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So what about music and photography for you? I think you've mentioned that you use music for inspiration and how, how does... That can be a tricky part to explain, but why don't yeah. you talk us through your process? How, do, how does it inspire your work? So music, music was probably my first ever love. I grew up just loving music, listening to all kinds of different styles. I, lo- I know a lot of people say that, and a lot of people can really appreciate it for what it can do in your life. And I went through lots of different phases and pulled a little from every phase of music I've been in and I can appreciate a lot from a lot of different styles and I feel like music is the thing that both grounds me and takes me out of this earth all at the same time it can really bring every piece of emotion that I have forward it can put things into words that I can't or it can give you some kind of feeling that you're trying to reach. And I feel that way about photography as well. It can just show you something that you see, but in a different way. And 
I know all that's cheesy and corny, but I feel like people that would be listening to this podcast would totally understand that. And absolutely, <laughs> as I'm sure a lot of people know, I kind of go out and shoot solo a lot. I'm usually listening to music when I'm shooting and I listen to music while I'm scanning and developing and editing and everything all around. It's all just connected to music. There's something movie-like about it for me. I have always grown up kind of, you know, doing that stare out the window while it's raining kind of thing or watching the water when you're going over a bridge and just feeling like you're in some some kind of movie of your own life and music, the score of it has always been something for me. And that and photography just tie in perfectly. And it's weird that I never became a videographer or something like that because that's kind of how I see the world, but still photography still speaks to me in that same way. So I've always just tied them both together. And with any series I've ever done, I've always connected it to some kind of album that I really love at the time that emotes some kind of feeling that I that I feel at that moment or that I'm trying to convey to somebody else, even if no one's looking at it. But a lot of it was, I did that whole, a whole series with just the Volcano Choir album. And I, I'd name each photo after a song that fit or with a washed out album or some other album that I really love because I think albums as a whole are underrated sometimes because we cherry pick a lot of individual songs that mean a lot to us but if you have someone that just puts out a really great album where the whole picture just flows really well together that's kind of the same as a series of photos to me and to tie them together. It's always been something I've enjoyed doing. Granted, I haven't done a big series in a while, but I still tie a lot of stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) So it's always been really important to me. And I love that you're doing this podcast kind of talking about both as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a great point. I mean, I think we're getting away you know, certainly in my day when I was growing up and you bought at that time an album and then later a cassette and and the cassettes were really tricky right because you uh, if you, you could get a deck where you you know it it could sort of fast forward through a song but you were still going to have to listen to at least a little bit of yeah. something to get to where <laughs> you were going <laughs> yeah uh but now yeah it's just itunes and it's just okay i like this song i'm just going to buy and download this one song and you don't even own anything that you can hold in your hands <laughs> Yeah, with that purchase. But you'd mentioned something else that I've been curious about, because I I think it it seems like people feel differently about this. But you do listen to music when you shoot, because I feel like a lot of people like to hear the ambient noise. It kind of puts them in the mood of the scene or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I love listening to music while I'm walking around, whether it just be on the trails behind where I live or if I'm going somewhere into town, I usually am solo. So I will have my headphones in and just picking an album that I really like at the moment, or I'll have certain playlists that kind of pull on the mood that I'm feeling at the time. And and even with that, it doesn't even have to be the mood that I'm feeling 
because whatever I'm listening to is going to be what I'm feeling. So I can also use music to transport me into something, some other world that I want to be in and, and kind of pull photography from that. Like I'll see things differently based on what I'm listening to. So you, I might walk the same streets daily, but see things differently based on what I'm listening to at the time. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of photographers could probably relate to that too, because music and photography is so intertwined. Don't you think? I Absolutely. feel like a lot of people got into photography just because of music and that whole scene. So it's kind of neat it that is. we get to talk about it on your podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, I think so. And that's what I'm certainly coming to understand is that these these things, you know, they're very powerful. They're very meaningful to people. I think they, you know, you can appreciate a finely composed picture or a finely composed song, but we, we like attach memories to these things, right? When we, the time in our life that we were listening to that song and it takes us back to that time or the picture, obviously, if it's a, a special memory, takes us back to that time. So they they just have these very powerful emotional ties that they create for us. I think they're, they really they're do. powerful in that way. One of the ways that we combine these things today, a lot, a lot of people do, but if you pick a song for a picture you're sharing on your Instagram story or something, is that what, mm -hmm. what is your process for picking that song? Usually I know it. I know exactly what I want to feel. So I have on Spotify, it makes it super easy to heart and like a song and those kind of go into your liked songs categories on there and I just have a slew of songs that when I hear them they sound like a photographic moment to me and I'll save those and I'll come back to those when I see something even if it's just like the side of my house with the shadows or something in the trees I love putting a song to something because that's how it feels in that moment I think I did a poll one day that just asked anyone else feels like their life is a movie sometimes and most people said no <laughs> granted I don't think there are a lot of photographers answering because I feel like they would say yes but yeah. not that your life has to be big and exciting to be a movie but just the music and the things that you see or the things that you share can just tie so well together so yeah I just have endless playlists on my Spotify <laughs> that I have in mind just for single moments. I have albums that I love for more photographs in a series, but then I just have these moments where I save all these songs because I feel like they fit right in that moment. And sometimes I'll be walking along and a song will play and it'll fit so perfectly with the scenery and the feeling that I'm in in that moment that I will just play that song 20 times in a row just to really... <laughs> root it down into that moment but that's just how strong music is right i mean i'm sure that's you feel right. that way <laughs> i do i do very much so i can't explain it very well but certainly i can <laughs> well that's a, why we have music a, right to explain it for us that's right <laughs> but just that 
the way that it hits you and it and it feels like it's articulating something that you're feeling in such a strong way that you just it gets you get hooked on it i guess yeah <laughs> but certainly i've had i've had those experiences in life for sure and it's crazy talking about it right now with you and not thinking that anyone's even noticing that i'm doing that and you're here telling me that you noticed that aspect yeah. of anything that i might share and a lot of times when you're shooting alone or sharing stuff then no one says anything you kind of just feel like you're in your own little bubble and that nobody notices it so it's kind of nice when people do notice and hear that moment that you're kind of sharing so as much right. as we talk on social media everyone's just chitter chatter all over the place sometimes you still feel kind of lost in the void you know <laughs> absolutely just, just, just an endless black hole of information and oversharing and i'm not one for a lot of words on my posts but music is definitely my favorite way to convey things. And as, as crazy and overwhelming as social media can be, I love that Instagram allows you to pick up those songs and kind of tag them onto things that you share. It's really, really nice. And I think that's probably my favorite part of my Instagram is just tagging music to something that I'm sharing. It's kind of neat. It is. And, and I am not, great at social media <laughs> in general <laughs> but the one part of it that i have struggled with i guess is you share a picture or at least this is kind of my experience and i'm and i'm in a very small bubble <laughs> of social media but based on how i see other people's stuff come to me i see a picture once and it's for five seconds and then it's gone forever right until mm -hmm. unless i go seek it out again to see it but stories are a whole different thing altogether right because you put it out yeah. there and it's that the intention is for it to disappear and uh for people like you because i always enjoy watching your stories you've put thought into putting that out there into the world even knowing that you know it's going to disappear so i i appreciate the creative effort that goes into that oh thank you <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i appreciate that thank you you might not be able to see me blushing over the screen but i am <laughs> <laughs> So just switching gears just a little bit, one of the other things mm -hmm. that you share is from our, our various sights and sounds from your day job at Fine Creek, right? Yeah, yeah. So you want to tell anyone who might not know a little bit about Fine Creek? Yeah, so we are a very, very small brewery in uh, just outside of Richmond in Virginia, and I really found a job that's a diamond in the rough because I get to do a lot of different things and we no one will Andre just messaged me today asking what's the name of your brewery because my friend works in a bottle shop and I said he's not going to know who we are because we are that <laughs> small if a lot of people don't know breweries are either distribution focused or they're taproom focused most of them are going to be distribution focused because if they're even slightly big enough as a craft brewery, most of their product goes out to distribution and to sell in shops or restaurants. We are so small that we are entirely taproom with just the tiniest percentage of distribution. So we 
if you ever came across our beer, it's because you are very close to me and you should be messaging me and being like, hey, I am so close to you. We should hang out and go shoot. But anyway, it is a little heaven on earth on a, on a property that this family owns. And I get to not only just manage in the tap room and staffing, but I get to photograph a lot of great food and stuff in the coffee cafe and the pastries and the desserts. I have to sift through wedding galleries because there's a wedding venue there that has been around for just over a couple of decades. So I go through wedding galleries every week from the three or four weddings that were shot that previous weekend. And I post those. I used to work in the kitchen as well, but I have taken on too many jobs. So I had to leave one of those. Now I just eat the food. I don't cook the food, but I, as someone who's never owned a digital camera, it was definitely a new experience for me learning to do digital photography um, with beer and food. And the owner had a leftover camera because he used to shoot weddings and that's that stays at work and that's what I used to shoot. It's a D800 that has a few lenses and I certainly learned a lot shooting with that camera because when they first put it in my hands, it's like, I do not know what I'm doing with this thing. And I still only shoot it on manual and I adjust the ISO and the aperture manually <laughs> just to <laughs> shoot everything. Because it, it's easier for me because it's got too many buttons and too many options. So I haven't really, I haven't delved further into all of the options that it gives you. But I feel like I've learned a lot just in digital photography, shooting, food, and beer. And it would be kind of neat to learn more from somebody. I don't really know anyone in the area personally that I could learn from. But I think I'd have to buy a digital camera first before I before I really committed and I just haven't done that yet we talked about that recently because I I debate whether I want to start doing negative scanning with a digital camera but I just haven't I haven't purchased one yet so we'll see how that goes but yeah the brewery keeps me pretty busy we all wear a lot of hats but it is a great little place out in the middle of nowhere that I'm really lucky to be a part of that family so I get to learn a lot yeah. Well, it, look, it looked like they, when you were doing some of that food photography recently, they had turned you into a human uh, coffee stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we used to have a new menu every week and I'd have to photograph stuff. And now it's monthly and it makes it a lot easier on me trying to keep up with everything and get stuff in advance. So I'm not posting last minute every day, but right. whenever, I don't know how people do it when they, to get just a straight down shot of food that looks so pretty all spread out. So they've got to hold me by my britches <laughs> so I can get a straight down shot. And it's when they put that email out to the customers so they really got a kick out of that. Cause I don't, I'm usually behind the camera and not usually in front of anyone's right. cameras. Yeah. So a lot of those customers there don't even know I'm the one putting all that stuff out, but but that's fine. I don't like too much attention from everybody. So I make sure to do all my photos before anyone else walks in the door. Cause I don't want, <laughs> I don't want all the attention. Cause occasionally if someone right. sees me, they say, Oh, could you come photograph my daughter's dance recital or something like that? And I'm always so flattered, but that's not really what I'm, that's not what I'm going to go do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> do y'all ever have uh, live music at the, at the brewery? We do. We haven't 
a little bit less right now, just COVID stuff kind of slowed everything down, but because of the wedding venue being in close proximity, we generally don't have a lot of live music because they don't want to hear anything during the ceremonies and stuff. Right. We have some music this weekend because we're having a big festival um, Saturday and Sunday. So we'll have a little bit, but usually it's kind of, uh, I don't know if you ever go hear just the basic live music out somewhere where it's just the same cover mm -hmm. songs over and over and over right. again and most of those people in that establishment are sick and tired of hearing <laughs> those same songs like there's always so many times you can hear journey played over and over again but you know that's, that's part of that's part of the industry that's right but i did just go i like to go see music outside of work and i went and got and saw someone new sunday night after work on easter and that was a lot of fun and one of my favorite bands is coming back to Richmond in a couple weeks so I'm really excited for that show too I just COVID I haven't seen a lot in a long time so these past few months I've been trying to catch up with everybody see because everyone's on tour right now but right some of it's hard to get to if they're not close to your area that's true yeah the the pandemic definitely put the brakes on live music I haven't really gotten way back out there <laughs> yet myself but i have been to uh, see a couple of small bands play and that's been nice getting back out there good does, does richmond have a pretty good music scene it does but it really depends because if they're big enough they're going to be in dc and so you have to drive out to dc to see them if they're a little bit smaller but still pretty big they'll come to richmond but a lot of times it's almost a catch 22. When I moved up here, I was like, they have a great music scene. So it'll be great. I'll see all the bands that wouldn't come to Jacksonville. Cause I used to have to either drive to Orlando or drive to Atlanta to see all the bands. But Richmond is so hip sometimes that the shows are sold out and they would just be packed to the brim. And I kind of miss the days, you know, eight, nine, 10 years ago where you would go and see these great bands and these little venues and it wouldn't be that packed. But now it's like, I don't know what happened. Music's become cool again. And so everything's just packed out to the brim. But I just saw one of my first couple Polaroid series were based on some albums by the band Washed Out, which a lot of people only know them from the Portlandia show mm -hmm. song, like theme song, but their music is just, I don't know. There's something about it that is FP100C to be. Those bleach negatives are straight from that band for some reason. So my first couple series were from some washed out albums and they just came through and I went up to DC to see them and just seeing them again. It's like pictures before my eyes of all the things that I have done and all the things I want to do. And it kind of just inspired me all over again. So I just, I love that. I love being able to go hear something and just be inspired in photography again and i haven't been shooting a lot lately but i'm very excited that flowers and stuff are blooming again because i want to do some more peel apart stuff right. and and kind of tie those things back together so we're getting there we're getting there yeah. we've had some like back and forth warm and cold days but everything's starting to bloom finally so we'll get back to it you touched on a couple of the trappings of working in the service industry with hearing 
same songs over again and, and yeah. people asking you to <laughs> photograph their recitals. But, you know, outside of the specific details, you know, it can take a lot out of you working with the public, obviously. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so along those lines, you are on negative positives and there's a big community around that. You've been to Policon, right? That's a big photography gathering. Usually a lot of people there, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you've started up these local photography groups. So I think on one of the negative positive episodes, y'all were talking about this idea of introverts and extroverts. And I think Mike mentioned he suspected most people would call themselves introverts. And after that episode, I posted a poll on the Facebook group and it was, I forget the exact numbers, but it came back as like nine to one people. You know, I only gave them those two choices. <laughs> I, I assume most yeah. You know, most people would say, well, I'm not really either. I'm somewhere in the middle, and that's probably true. But if you give people just those two choices, it seems like a lot of people in photography feel more introverted than extroverted. And yet, and, and so this is where I'm building my question to you, working with the public, enjoying these big, you know, whether it's Policon or your local photography groups, or going on photo walks or the podcast and the community around that. I mean, where, where is the balance for you with people and photography? And if you're on a photo walk, are you taking pictures? Or are you walking with somebody and chatting with them about photography? How, how do people play into your photography? Cause a lot of times, like you also mentioned, it seems like you're out in the middle of nowhere alone. Yeah, <laughs> I think. So with all of those things I've done, I guess I should say before any of it, I'm someone that likes to try new things, even if it kind of scares me a little bit or makes me nervous or puts me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. The first time I went to Policon, I was so nervous because I hadn't really been to any photo meetups at all, except for just being in those classes years and years ago and going on a walk with one of my classmates but I hadn't been to a single photo meetup and just flying out there and I like to travel so that wasn't really the problem but just flying out there and meeting all these people that I had never even talked to or met before I was so nervous and then starting the groups in Richmond at the same time I had met one person in town and it's like I'm going to do this I'm going to do this meetup and hopefully someone shows up and I like 30 people showed up and I could not believe it. And I was so nervous about it, but it was so great. And I think working in the service industry, that's what I've done since for the past 18 years now, I've been doing that and I can turn it on when I need to. I think I've just like, and not that it's like a fake thing. Like I can, I can work and I can be personable, but then I'm going to need like four or five days or I'm not talking to anybody because <laughs> it really just sucks everything out of me. And it, I wish, I wish I could bounce back faster, but I can't. So I'll have so much fun and I'll say, I'll be up all night because I'll be tossing and turning just from all the excitement it was to talk to everybody. But then I'm just like, 
All right. Well, now I'm going to be alone in the woods for a few days. <laughs> so it's, I think a lot of people think they're introverts if they just don't want to be around people, but some people can just really do it every day where they just crave that social interaction. And I think I get enough of it, my job, that mm -hmm. that's why I'm alone all the time. I think if I didn't work with people so often, then I would probably do more social photography things. But a lot of the times I'm just spent. But when I go on those walks and stuff, I won't shoot a lot of photos. I think a lot of people might be like this, though. They won't shoot as many photos because they're just kind of chatting it up with everyone else that came. And a lot of times it's a little more casual and I'll only shoot two or three. And then some people will come back and I'll see that they shot like a whole roll during these walks. And I don't know how they do that. But I'm also <laughs> a little bit, I am very, um, so I'm ADD inattentive type and I just cannot focus very well when I'm doing a lot of things at once. I'm really good at my job with multitasking and thinking three steps ahead. But when it comes to photography, if there's a lot of people around, I make so many mistakes. I don't know if you've experienced this at all, but I make a lot of mistakes. So I usually end up not shooting a whole lot when I'm with other people because I just get too excited and I can't focus on the job at hand. So I, I don't know, I, I will like, just ruin half a box of FP100C if I'm around too many people because I'll forget a step or something or I, I won't like change the aperture and I left it at 45. I did that the other day when I took a photo in Savannah. The first photo I shot of a friend that was in one of those photo classes, I hadn't seen her in years and I just totally forgot to change my settings. I don't know what was wrong with me so I just wasted a shot and you can't right. waste those shots anymore because they're like $15 a shot but I don't know. I'm not very good at focusing when there's too many people around. So I'm a much better shooter when I'm solo. But yeah. I, I learned that in those classes because they had us do some studio work. And that's where I learned I don't like studio work. And you had to do it with a bunch of people in there. And it was just too hard for me to do it with everybody looking. I don't like an audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I, I completely relate to all of that. I mean, I... I like being around other people who are into photography. I like the social aspect of that part of it. But yes, if, if, if I'm going out to make pictures and that's my goal, I, I, I would probably more often than not choose to be out there by myself. Part of it is the technical part. I want to be able to focus on what I'm doing and, and do it as best I can, which is uh, can be a struggle on the best of days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking to the other part of what we were talking about, just the social part, like you said, it's it's not putting on a fake front. But I have found myself to be kind of like a cerebral, analytical just in my mind kind of person and if i'm trying to engage with somebody i want to be able to get out of my own head and engage with them and be focused right on right, them yeah. so that's the inner that's the part that requires energy for me that i don't normally expend <laughs> right yeah. um you talked about the instant film a couple of times and so and, and you also touched on the studio work which was part of what I wanted to ask you about and, and the people part plays into it too, I guess, because so, you know, I read back, I guess it was around December that 
well, first I should say we would all like for someone to be able to bring back some pack film yeah. <laughs> or to have or to have more instant options. So with that in mind, Ethan Moses back in December wrote this article for Emulsive on this, uh, you know, it's, it's not an instant photography like uh, people might be imagining, but he's taken steps in that direction, I guess, where he is using either, you know, it's photographic paper, but with a, in a, in a, in a holder with that you can pour chemistry in and develop it. And you have a quote unquote instant picture. Right. And he combined that with an Afghan camera, I guess that he built that's 20 by 24. And so the, this whole project is reminiscent of the old 20 by 24 Polaroid cameras, which were, you know, uh, huge, right? This isn't a thing you're going to be walking out in the woods behind your house with. <laughs> these, <No. laughs> these are built for studio work. A lot of portrait work was done with them back in the day. But I was just curious about your take because you do like instant photography and, and sort of that experimental vibe. On the other hand, you don't do a lot of studio work. You don't do a lot of portraits, or at least you don't share that. So I don't know. What is your interest level in this project? <laughs> well, I think it's pretty incredible because I do know he was doing it with kind of that mm -hmm. positive photographic paper. And it was, right, the holder that he could develop in the right. holder itself, which was pretty incredible. Um, but I I think, if I remember correctly, that he was doing it all studio because he had to use strobes for it. I think even daylight wasn't right. bright enough. And I do know that that would not be for me because I am a terrible studio photographer. I think right. the the pressure for me was always on too much. I didn't feel like I was in my element. I've never liked being stuck indoors in any way, shape, or form. So I just... I think that it would be really cool to sit for that camera, right? but I don't think I would be able to shoot it, but it's pretty, I mean, I love Ethan. I love everything he does. And he's also just the funniest person. He's so <laughs> funny and he's so the, his mind, I just want to see the inside of it. I want to cut his little skull open and see the inside <laughs> of his brain because he's so smart and coming up with all of these things and tinkering with everything. And then, like, I think that I'm a tinkerer, but no, he's like, he's the ultimate. And I wish right. that I could swap brains with him just so I could see what it was like to be him for a day, just to come up with all this stuff and experiment in the way that he does. Um, but I think what he's doing is incredible, but I know that I would not, I would not be able to do anything that requires strobes and lighting set up and portraits are great. And whenever I have someone in front of my camera it's always great but it's never been something that i have been it's not i know not everyone's like a natural at something and to be good at it it still takes a lot of practice but i think that it just comes back to me liking that alone time being kind of free in the woods or wherever i'm at um being able to listen to music because I wouldn't really be able to do that if I was with someone because I want to give them my attention. And yeah. um, I think Policon is where I usually shoot most of my portraits. I don't even mm -hmm. shoot a lot of them on the photo walks here 
Um, there's something about pack film though and portraits because there's so many different styles of pack film and the way that different skin tones and styles come across on all those films is pretty incredible. I just don't do it enough, I think, because it's not, not my forte, but I would love right. to be better at it. I say every year I say that I'm going to do more portrait work and I never do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe one day, because I still have a good, decent amount of film in my fridge, but I think that I've been a lot thicker with what I shoot with my pack film now too, just because it's so expensive to attain and I've been really into shooting just flora, just flowers and plants and stuff lately. And I haven't posted any reels on it lately, but I need to get back to it hopefully eventually. But no portrait work in the future just yet, but maybe I'll work on something going forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would just echo what you said about Ethan. I mean, it's it's incredible how his mind works and if anybody can't you know it may not be pack film you know but if there is anybody who can create something uh i, I would certainly put my money on ethan he's got a yeah. way of thinking through things like that he sure does again switching gears to something really not necessarily music or photography but it was something you had mentioned on the podcast and i was just curious about your your flying airplanes how did how did all that happen what's the story there my dad is was a pilot um he mm -hmm. had been flying since he was 14 and he was fortunate enough to get a job pretty young flying and so that's what he did my whole life and one day I kind of woke up, I had stopped. It was one of the first times I stopped college because I wanted to figure out some other things I wanted to do and travel around and stuff. And I kind of woke up one day and was like, all right, dad, I think I'm ready to learn to fly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really liked learning a lot of different things, even if they weren't going to be my forever thing. So I, I learned how to drive a boat pretty young. Uh, even just like driving the lawnmower was interesting to me. I hated cutting the yard, but I loved the mower and then mm -hmm. <laughs> learning stick shift when I was young. And then I just was ready to try and learn planes. And so we were lucky to live close to an airport with a school. So I was able to do that for a while and get my private pilot's license. And then on the side also be so fortunate enough to fly with my dad outside of right. that so we got to just fly together and it was some some of the best memories i'll ever have was flying with him and even flew a small cessna from california all the way to florida oh wow and it overlapped just a little bit with photography and i wish that i was shooting film in those early flying days because i feel like i would have shot a lot more of those photos but i had already gotten my license and then I didn't want to continue any further and then I had eventually gone and started the the, the photo courses at the university when I started archaeology and so I still had my license that was effective at that time so my dad and I would still go fly or he would fly and I would take photos out the side of the window which was a lot harder 
than it looks. <laughs> I don't right. know if a lot of people have had that experience. A lot of aviation photography prior to drones tended to be out of helicopters because you could really, you know, get that straight down shot and you had those big windows to shoot out of. But I had a low wing plane that I was shooting out of most of the time. So either the wing was in the way or you just had this tiny little window to shoot out of. And it was a lot of fun. And I still have a lot of those rolls and I even have some darkroom prints of those shots too because it overlapped a little with that that first darkroom course. So I was able to shoot some of those for class, right. which was kind of neat. But I wish I wish that I had taken more. I wish that I had started sooner, but I just I think I was barreling through hobbies at that time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't overlap as much as it could have had a little tiny um, point and shoot digital camera, just like, you know, back in the early 2000s, a lot of us had those just like click and shoot, click and shoot, click and shoot. So that trip from California to Florida, I took a lot of photos on that. And I, if I had even had a disposable, it would have been cool just to have that because you know, I deleted a lot of those digital files because I'm like, oh, that's not great. Oh, that's not great. And I wish I didn't delete a single one so that I would still have them. But if I had the negatives, I'd have those forever, you know, but it right. was it was a really, I was very, very fortunate to have that opportunity because I know that is like, that is a one in a million kind of thing that anyone gets to experience. So I was very lucky to be able to experience both of those things at the same time, at least. Um, yeah. But now everyone has drones, so they don't even need to go up in a plane. <laughs> That's right. I saw. Need the uh, plane anymore? <laughs> That's right, and I can't remember now where I saw it, but I think I saw something today or yesterday that was the. You know, it may have been clickbait, but the title was the oldest existing aerial photography, something taken out of a hot air balloon, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be so cool. I've always wanted to go in a hot air balloon, but I've never had the opportunity. One of these yeah. days I'll go. <laughs> I would love that. that. That would be so cool. It would be. I, I would like to uh, have the chance to photograph the balloons with me standing on the ground. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, would be cool too. too you know? You're but, right. You're right. Yeah. Like in one of those festivals in New Mexico and stuff and they right. have all the balloons. Oh, so cool. Yeah, I haven't done absolutely. it. Absolutely. Maybe I should uh, make that a goal. There you go. Maybe that could be another hobby to explore. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a mixed bag of different things that I wanted to ask you about. And so maybe I thought a way to do this was to have you, uh, I, I put them in groups of three and I thought I would have you rank them, but you don't have to, you know, you can, you can um, expound as much or as little as you would like to. But the first one was about international photographic destinations. You you mentioned earlier you've been able to travel a little bit, and some of the pictures you've shared have been from Iceland and Spain and Ireland and probably other places as well. But just mm -hmm. you know, not the country or the people or the food or the culture or anything like that. Just the scenery for photography. How how would you rank those? Ooh. Iceland's definitely the best. 
But I feel yeah. like now the whole world knows that. Just, <laughs> just the absolute best. I think because the scenery is so different. You can drive two hours and it's a new scenery. Another hour, it's another scenery. There's just so much to inspire you and to make you question and think and and so many different lighting conditions that can happen in one day. So I think it is the most exciting place to photograph. I will say that, oh gosh, that's hard. Italy or Spain, just because there's so many beautiful, colorful buildings and the light is just really stunning over there as well. Those are both great places as well. I'd say Iceland is my favorite, but I think Iceland is my favorite overall. And second would probably be a close tie between Italy and Spain, just because of the colors and the richness and right. it's just absolutely stunning. Okay. Have, have totally, different been... Ooh, totally different environments. <laughs> Got so excited, have, I knocked this over. Have, have you been to other places too, or other places you would like to go on your list? Oh, there's a lot of places I would love to go. Well, I haven't even been to Canada. I want to just go to Canada, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places in the U.S. I haven't been. I was very thankful to go to Washington or just Washington State and go to Olympic National Park last year, and it was just stunning. And it reminded me a lot of Maine. I'd love to go back to Maine because shooting there was really, really nice, too. I haven't even been to the desert. I really just want to go to the desert and photograph there as well. Yeah. Um, and oh, there's so much. I really want to go to Croatia. Croatia's always been really high on my list. Oh, gosh. Where was I talking? I, was, I saved a spot the other day, Montenegro. I want to go to mm -hmm. Montenegro. It just looks incredible as well. I want to go to Greenland. Oh, I could just tell you my whole list. I could just keep going. <laughs> Every time I fly over Greenland, you know, it's just so icy and blanketed in white. And a friend that's been there says that there's just one main city that you'll go to and you can just kind of walk around and explore there. And they have these little colorful houses and stuff. And so I really want to go to Greenland. I know it's kind of a cost a pretty penny just to go there, but it's on my list. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the destinations I want to go to can be pretty cold. So I need to get better at my cold weather photography. <laughs> but I want to right. go. And Scotland is also really high on my list as well. Right. Just, I'm I'm definitely more of a nature photographer than I am a big city person. And, but I like a good balance of both because food is also one of my top reasons for traveling. So it's it's got to have some good diversity in food as well so food music and photography those are the those are the things to live for so <laughs> there you go well and so you you mentioned maine so i basically had the same question but for the east coast of the united states yeah. so maine or virginia or florida photographic so, scenery for you gosh i mean i want to say maine but maine is all encompassing because the way that Maine smells is something else. The, mm -hmm. the fog, the trees, the lobster rolls, the salty air, it is something else all in itself. Florida, I've really come to appreciate a lot more since I've left. And there's a lot of stuff I would like to go back and photograph now because I don't feel like 
I mean, there's some very obvious, fantastic film photographers there, like Clyde Butcher. The way Clyde Butcher captures Florida is so inspiring and makes, it really makes people see what is so incredible there that I think is overlooked because a lot of people in Florida don't care a lot about Florida, you know? And there's the swamps there. I don't know. It's it's pretty incredible. And I think it has its own little section of the world that it's hard to describe what is, what is so magical there because a lot of people just think about the beaches. And there's good stuff about that. Last year when I went to um, Fort Myers, which is a total tourist destination town, but there's like half of Fort Myers, it's really run down with boarded up windows and closed up shops and it's not really that nice. And I feel like photographing that in and of itself could be a really cool project for somebody. Um, But then Virginia, Virginia has my heart because the mountains are so old and there's so many stories to tell and uh, I don't know. It's, I can't choose any of them because I feel <laughs> like no matter where you're at in the United States, I feel like every state has stuff that's so interesting about them. Even if it looks run down to the average person, there's just so many stories to tell. Even the really, really flat states. I love a state where you can just see the whole half of the sky. Right. right, where it's just totally flat, and you have the whole half of a sky. I think that is really cool. The tornado states, I love to photograph a tornado. I feel like I'm just going on tangents now. <laughs> <laughs> so where I live, it's we don't have mountains, but it's it's very hilly country, right? So you yeah. don't get you don't get many of those flat horizons, and so when you're driving through, like uh southern illinois or missouri or arkansas where it's just you know it feels like you can see for a hundred miles it it's it's visually striking to you it is yeah absolutely. and then when you do go to a place that has actual mountains like <laughs> I, I spent a little bit of time in seattle and you know on you can see mount rainier and it's 60 miles away and it's just it blows your mind the first time you you think about that. If you haven't, you know, I, I guess if you grew up there, you wouldn't think about it. But the first time that that thought crosses your mind, it, it's it really jumps out at you how how big it must be to be able to see it from sixty yeah. miles away. I love when traveling to a new place too. Kind of the musical history of that place is always really interesting to listen to. Like if you're listening to old bluegrass of a certain area that you're driving to, or just something that Mm -hmm. kind of fits the scenery that you're in, it's neat to kind of just look up online and see what kind of musical history that area has and kind of listen to that as you're driving around. So that's always really cool too. It is. It is. And you uh, just speak before we move off of us photo travel destinations, you have done a cross country drive. Haven't you? Yeah. Yes. Two of them, actually. And the first one, we got to camp around and, and spend a lot more time kind of mm-hmm. exploring. The second time was right at the height of COVID. So it was kind of a just getting back home kind of thing. But that first right. drive was incredible. And I wouldn't mind. I would, I would drive across the country every year if I had yeah. the time off to do so. Because 
there's just so much to see and there's so many states that you're just kind of like oh well, a lot of people would say why would they live there but there's just so much cool stuff to see i don't know right uh, i love to drive though but that's where i get to listen to music and podcasts and ebooks and stuff that's right i really love long drives and i don't mind them at all i'm looking forward that i have to go drive back to florida in a few weeks so i get to listen to more music and more podcasts and stuff it's always really exciting did you have a did you put together a playlist especially for that drive or just listen to what you already had already put together i think i've gone up and down 95 so many times now that i have mm -hmm. like certain things that i'll listen to especially depending on if i'm coming or going so a lot of times when i'm getting towards home i'll listen to stuff that reminds me of home or if i'm going away then i'm kind of listening to stuff that reminds me of, of virginia or if i'm going through north carolina then i'm listening to stuff that reminds me of trips there and so it kind of changes up every time or like just finishing a book that really reminds me of the area so coming going to and from savannah i was listening to uh, where the crawdads sing which is based in the Carolinas and just like making you feel like you're in that salt marsh and then listening to music that makes you feel like you're in that salt marsh. So right. I think a lot of it is just kind of immersing you in those surroundings, which is what music does, but it always just depends on, on the mood and where I'm going and the weather. How's right. the weather making me feel based, based off what I'm going to listen to? <laughs> well, that, and that's a question I've, I've asked people too. Do you, do you, put on music that reflects the mood you're already in or put on music to change your mood to what you want it to be or does it just all depend it both yeah both. so my my partner could listen to heavy metal all day and it mm -hmm. is infuriating because that's not what i want to listen to all day i think because what whatever music is on is what i'm going to feel because i mm -hmm. just absorb the feeling that's around me too easily almost and so it could be that i'm just trying to emulate the feeling that i already have or i want to feel something new and i can do that just by changing a song so right. it, it just kind of depends on the mood i'm in that day and if i want to keep that mood or change to a different mood if i'm feeling good then i'm just gonna keep that train going you know or if i I love sad music too, and I love to just be sad from music. And I know that might sound depressing, but I love right. sad music. It's so good. Some of the best lyrics in sad music. Um, but I could like I could switch ten moods in an hour. So really depends. Right. It's it's very therapeutic that way for sure. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we we went off on a little bit of a tangent, but. The... <laughs> The other, the next thing I was going to ask you about, and you talked about that you you don't have a role with the food at the brewery, right? But one of the things you share, or, or some of the stuff you share, is food related. <laughs> so bread and pasta and soups. Uh, if oh, if you yeah. were gonna if you were gonna make them or eat them, homemade. How, how, how do those three things, how do you rank those three things? Oh, man. Pasta is always going to be my number one. Always. Soup is definitely my number two. Soup season is all year round for me. But I think, you know, photographers, all of us, I feel like, are big hobby people. We love to learn. I think that's a big 
I think that's the common denominator of film photographers is that we love learning and we all have a lot of hobbies. A lot of us are in music or, or some other kind of creative field. And food is one of those for me, just because I love to eat food. And I think learning to make it is a lot of fun and listening to music while I'm making food. And that's also, that ties into traveling and, and kind of getting immersed into certain cultures of food and Asian culture has always been really big for me. Uh, my best friend growing up was Vietnamese. So learning to make a lot of Vietnamese food has always been so much fun for me. So like soups and noodles and all kinds of stuff. The only bread items that I've made so far, I got the stand mixer around Thanksgiving and I've only made like Chinese and Japanese bread pastries. <laughs> so right. I, I, but noodles, any kind of pasta is always going to be my number one for sure. And I've thought about tying in more photography with food if I ever get a digital camera, because I don't want to do that with film necessarily, but I would love mm -hmm. to learn to do more food stuff digitally if I ever if I ever got a digital camera, it's one of those things where I always say next year is the year next year, I'm going to get one. <laughs> and then I just never get around to doing it. Cause I think I just get overwhelmed looking up digital cameras and there's too many options and too many features. And if someone could just like tell me the one to get, and then I'll just get it and then I'll be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, as far as food goes, noodles. Right. Someone in Europe once said, I don't understand why Americans always call them noodles, but I don't know. I guess I didn't realize that was something that we did. They well, say I, it's called pasta, not noodles. Right. <laughs> no, maybe it's I a guess southern it's, thing, because I feel like we all say noodles. Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> it's a fair question. They use your noodles. So this this last one was a, is just for fun. It may seem a little bit random, but... I follow Jason Lee, and so when you have liked or commented something he's posted, you know it shows it shows me that you have liked or commented yeah. on it or whatever. <laughs> I thought I would get you to rank him as either your appreciation of him as a skateboarder or an actor or a photographer. Ooh, so my very first job ever was working at. Uh, Kona Skate Park in Jacksonville, which is the first skate park that ever opened in the United States. Okay. And I, without myself being a skateboarder, I just kind of grew up into my 20s around skateboarders and getting to meet all of these cool people in the industry and riding on the coattails of other people and getting to travel places and, and meeting people. And I think even though I don't skateboard because look, I would if I could, but I have the worst balance in the history of humankind and I just can't do it. I used to surf and I was so bad at that too, but the community of skateboarding kind of brought music and art and photography into my life as well, introducing me to the first film photographers that I ever met and kind of getting just being immersed in that scene I guess and that's where I learned about a lot of these people and so I knew Jason as a skateboarder first and not like personally but but 
all those pro skaters would come through Kona and I'd get to see them from afar and just be in awe of them. And I mean, I never, I never really watched my name is Earl, but I seen (laughs) other things that Jason was in, but then he came back around as just this really incredibly talented photographer and just his work is amazing. And then when he started the film photographic group kind of early on in Instagram and being able to connect with a lot of other photographers that way and, and started the print trades that they did through film photographic. And so he was just an early pioneer of film photography on Instagram for a lot of us. So he did not just skateboarding, but that as well. And it all kind of just tied in together and, and it was really cool. And it's just an incredibly nice person. Um, I have one of his prints that he was so kind to send to me. Um, and he has some of mine and he's always just been a really incredibly supportive person in the community. And I think the fact that he uses his platform to share that kind of work and, and kind of bring people together, I think it's pretty incredible. So he's just a badass. Love him. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it is, uh, and I haven't been a part of that skate culture, but just based on what I know, so many talented photographers, came out of that era in particular and a lot of the skaters have gone on Jason just being one of them who have done a lot of really creative things I I I sort of hate that I missed out on that (laughs) because that I was probably the right yeah probably the right age to have grown up in it and it and it just wasn't my thing at the time I guess well I I feel like I missed out in it on it in a way that I wasn't documenting it, you know, Mm -hmm. because everyone else was documenting it. And I, I wasn't at at that point in my life yet. I feel like I, I, I had this whole other life before photography and I wish that I had captured. There's so much that I wish I had captured on film because I'd love to come back to that. And that, I think that's why photography is so important in general, right? Because you know, when your house is on fire, what are you going to grab first? It's going to be your photograph because you want to have those memories and, and pass those down and be able to share those. And I wish that I had documented more when I was at that age because there's so many cool things, just skateboarding or music and and flying and all these things that I, I did before I even picked up a camera. So if anyone can get their kids into it at a young age, do it and more power to you because they're going to wish that they had later on for sure. That's right. That's right. And that's probably the, the perfect note to end on. I can't think of uh, better <laughs> advice to pass on to anyone, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially anyone likely to be listening to, to this. <laughs> so appreciative of your time, Jess, how, how can people get in touch with you or check out some of the work that you've done that we've been talking about? Well, I am on Instagram. My handle is at yes Jones, as in Jess Jones. Um, I'm occasionally in and out of the negative positive Facebook group, but I really don't get on Facebook a lot. If I am, it's because I'm lurking while posting work things. Um, I have a website that my goal every year is to one day update again. <laughs> it's yesjones.com, and I haven't updated it yet. I keep starting and stopping. So 
but it's on my list of things to do this summer when it gets too hot to go outside. So come July, July, I'm saying it on this podcast so someone can hold me accountable. The end of July, my website will be updated. You heard it here first, people. I'm probably lying, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, just Instagram. And I love when people DM me and ask me questions or just want to like talk about stuff. I talk to people all day long on there and I just like to connect with people that way. So don't be shy. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much again, Jess. Thank you. It's a pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Thank you again to Jess Jones for taking some time out to chat with me about music and photography. Check out her work on her Instagram account and listen to her on the Negative Positives podcast. Thank you to Mike Getterman, also from the Negative Positives podcast, for our theme song, Timeless. Mike makes all sorts of music available for content creators on his Bandcamp page at mikegetterman.bandcamp.com. Thank you, as always, to the team over at Sunny16 for hosting the Sunny16 Presents feed. Be sure and get in touch with them if you have an idea for a podcast of your own. I hope everyone is doing well, and as always, as John might say, always try and be a decent human being.